Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Antioch. It is good to be with you again. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I do greet you this morning in the name of our Father and the Son and the Blessed Holy Spirit. Um, Great, great is our God. Um, Let me just pray. Father, I do thank you for this day and for your people, for this house, oh God. Oh, Lord, we just pray now that you would increase and I would decrease, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts that are open and soft to receive. Lord, give us application in our personal lives and in our collective work, Lord God, that you might be honored and glorified and that your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This thing we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for um, reading the scriptures. I won't reread all of that, um, but I do want to give emphasis um, to the words of Jesus. If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So Luke's account of the ministry of Jesus um, takes us, if we back up through the book of Luke and we see Um, Jesus on this journey and he's going town to town and teaching and healing and casting out devils. He um, teaches the message of the kingdom and primarily in parables, in stories. He is instructing the 12, the disciples, but he's also instructing a growing group of disciples as well. Eventually there are 70 Luke shares that he sends out and who come back who are ministering in his name. He is answering questions and responding to challenges. He is dining with religious leaders and he is settling disputes. He is going teaching, teaching, and teaching, which is the way of Jesus. He is teaching over meals. He is teaching along the way. We get to um, verse chapter 13, verse 22, and he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem, Luke writes. So by the time we get to verse 1425, there were people following because he's a good teacher, right? And he's 
becoming popular and and there's a crowd that begins to follow. There's the disciples, the 12, there's the disciples, the 70, and some Pharisees and some random others until, as Luke describes them, there were a great multitude of people. There were great multitudes, great crowds with him. We like a crowd. (laughs) We like to be where things are happening, where stuff is going on. And we live in a time where people enjoy perceived popularity. There are followers and followings. We like a crowd. And now, because Jesus' teaching is open and he also is openly rebuking some of the leaders of course that was popular too as it is now all right so there was a big crowd by this point and they're following along and you can kind of imagine people say did you hear what he said yeah i heard this guy come on y'all gotta hear this right because that's what we would do we bring all of our friends we call people right we're texting i'm sorry we don't call anymore we text people and we say hey did you got to come down to, you hear what's going on this guy is great and people are getting healed and sometimes there's all kinds of miraculous stuff happening but he is letting those pharisees have it y'all got to come hear this right so jesus decides though to thin the crowd. Because unlike us lots of times, God, he's not impressed with crowds. He's not impressed, he's not trying to increase his number of followers in the way that we think of it today. He doesn't want just followers, he wants disciples. So his response to this growing popularity, his response to this growing crowd is a little bit different than how we respond when it seems like people are getting excited about something we are doing. He has almost the opposite response, it appears. We would say, let's keep this thing going. Let's see, how can, we, how can we get more people on board? We then, though, become tempted sometime to say what people want to hear and to go where the trends are leading. When the crowd starts growing, when we start feeling our popularity increasing, we start getting tempted to lean towards what is it people want to hear. And sometimes we become silent about the things that matter. We choose the wide path. But Jesus instead turns and faces the crowd and kind of says, let's clarify a few things, folks. Um, It's important when you're about to do something Big when you're in the midst of doing something to make sure people understand that the people who decide they want to come along with you or they think they decided they wanted to come along with you, it's important that they understand what they're getting into. It's important that we understand what we have signed up for. 
Um, a few months ago, my husband and I got the opportunity to go on a, a pilgrimage that um, explored the history um, in um, South Carolina and history of a lot of the hard things that have happened to the African-American people in our country. And um, we got the opportunity, invited to actually help lead with part of that. And the prep that they sent out, the group that was sponsoring this was very detailed in all the preparation because almost 200 people were going on this pilgrimage. And they had four busloads of people. And so they wanted to people, though, to understand what to expect. And so they sent a lot of emails, a lot of emails and information out. And But one of the things they talked about is it's going to be hot. You know, it was in June. And it's going to be hot. And we're going to be walking a lot. And there's going to be standing. And they sent a schedule that was long. And, and so you could see that we were going to be starting early in the morning and it was going to be going to 9, 10 o'clock at night. We could see that, they, that there was going to be some unsettling things perhaps that we would hear and learn about. And they wanted us to be prepared. And they said things like, you know, you might want to bring a water bottle and bring water with you and wear comfortable shoes and Come, if, if you have any problems with mobility, you might need to bring canes or the canes that have a seat that you can sit on when we're standing for a while. And they made the point, this is not a vacation. It is a pilgrimage. They were taking care. They wanted people to know what it was they were getting into. Our world and the church today are in need of truth. Jesus came to establish and build a kingdom, not a fan club. This is not about having the most people on our side. There is no red and blue in the kingdom. There is no us or them. Jesus does not come to take sides. He comes to take over. So in verse 26, Jesus decides to clarify some things. He decides to thin the growing crowd. He says, if anyone comes to me and hates not father and mother and wife and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a strong statement. And we don't usually say things that strongly, <laughs> right? He cannot be my disciple. You know, we are often tempted to try to explain away some of the things we read in the scripture. Um, we say, well, you know, it was, it, you got to consider the context. And in that context, it meant this. Or, you know, we'll say, well, that was a different era. 
You know, and in that time period, this this was what that meant, and that's what was going on, and it's different today. Or we'll say, you know, but in the Greek, right? In the Greek, if you go back and read the Greek translation, that really didn't mean cannot. You know, he was saying something else, or or we'd like to, we wish that it was Paul talking, right? Because then we could say, you know, Paul had a lot of issues, and that was just Paul, and you know, there's a whole lot of stuff. We wish that we could explain this thing away, but this is Jesus talking. You know, like I got the old Bible where the words are read. Okay. <laughs> All the stuff Jesus said, they printed it in red so there could be no, you know, confusion about who was saying it. There's, there's no, you know, deep translating we got to do. Jesus said this, if anyone comes and hates not father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. It is, um, he's not interested in being our side piece. (laughs) He's not interested in falling in line behind anything or anyone. Our love and commitment to them whoever our them is, compared to him, looks like hate. (laughs) There is no comparison. This is not foreign, really. We go all the way back to the Old Testament. God said, we're going to love him with all our heart with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, with everything we got. That is what Jesus is talking about. There's no, you know, like as beautiful as the children were who were just up here. And as much as I know, their parents love them, and you, or sometimes you stand over the beds or the cribs of our kids, and oh, God says, that big, huge feeling that wells up in your heart and in your throat, he said, that should be like hate compared to how you love me. As much as you love that person who walks beside you in life, I love my husband. We have been together the majority of my life. 37 years we've been married, not counting the time that we were friends before that. And yet, with all that we have been together, and as much as I love him, and as much as I know he's committed to me, he is everything, and still, Don't make me choose between you and Jesus, boo. (laughs) As much as I love my kids, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. Because Jesus was there when nobody was there. We go back over and I look at the through my life and the things that have gone on, things that nobody else even would know about. He was there and he knows. 
I think about times when um, there was a time I was pregnant and I had to have a, a, a biopsy because there was a a, a thought that this might be something cancerous. It was Jesus who was standing by the side of my um, bed whispering in my ear because they couldn't put me to sleep, right, because of the baby. And he is talking, saying, I'm right here, and it's going to be okay. There, there's nobody, nobody who is like that. That's why C.C. Winans said, you weren't there (laughs) when Jesus found me. You didn't feel what I felt when he placed his loving arms around me. And you don't know the cost. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. More than anything, Jesus says, that's what I'm looking for. And he goes further and he says, and Jesus says you would be willing to choose me over you. Not just over them, but over ourselves and our own lives. How many times have we forsaken what we knew what God would have us to do? Because you don't know what they're going to say about me. You don't know what they're going to think about me. You don't know how they're going to treat me, how I'm going to be left out, how I'm going to be misunderstood. They're going to think I'm like, they're not going to understand, Lord. God says, you're going to be willing to choose me over you and what others think. Revelations 12 and 11, John writes in that vision that he saw, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And often we forget to say the last part, and they loved not their lives so much as to shrink from death. Those will be the people that are around the throne. Verse 27 after Jesus says that you're going to, your love for everyone else appears like hate compared to your love for me. Then he said, and you must bear your own cross. And I imagine there are people in the crowds like, what, 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 what? Because we could with Jesus and his cross. Right? Jesus went to the cross for me. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, suffering all that you suffered, carrying that. Praise God. But then you do that so I don't have to have a cross. <laughs> but here he says, and you must bear your own cross. We're fine with Jesus and his cross. But if you are not willing to lay down your life, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. Now, why? Why why is he making this point? Why is he having all this emphasis? 
And he goes into two stories to kind of help the crowd understand. He tells a story about a, a tower and then a story about like an army going to war. Um, and he says, for which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Um, if perhaps after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, he says in verse 31, what king among you going to war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he stands and sends an, amb uh, an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. He says, who doesn't stop and think about what it is they're getting into. This is what he is turning in love then to say, let me explain what kind of kingdom I'm setting up and what is required. We are not like in the old times selling snake oil. This is no bait and switch. We don't want to be like, um, there's so many of the house renovation shows, right? And they all, they're all the same. There's all, you know, different people, different couples, single people, whatever, brothers, what all. But they're all basically like, oh, here we got this house and, and um, somebody wants to buy it um, or fix it up. And they have this dream about what it's going to look like. And they talk about the dream of the great renovation. And they say, this is how much it's going to cost. And they go, okay, great. It's in our budget. Yay, let's do it. And then what happens? Every time, oh, we found this problem. And, you know, there's this thing. And now we're going to have to do this other thing. And it's going to cost another $30,000. So you're just going to have to pay that or give up part of your dream, right? Um, this is not what Jesus wants for his church. He is laying it all out. So many times I, I have heard this pastor's taught as though it's just about um, us being good stewards or let's have good financial planning. This cost is not on a spreadsheet. We have sometimes erred in offering cheap grace. We just say, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Come on. And he does. But there is more that needs to be said. Jesus is giving us that example. Things get hard, and there is suffering that comes with this life. And then people feel duped and misled, and they walk away hurt and angry because I, did, I got into this because you said my life was going to be better and, I, and things were going to go well. And I gave Jesus my heart and everything. And now what? What is going on? And, and we have these fake contracts 
this contractual agreement with, with Jesus, like, I'll do this, and then you'll do this. I'll give you my heart, and in return, I'll have no chronic illness. No one who loves me will die or leave, and I'll be independently wealthy. <laughs> That's what we think. And sometimes, whether consciously or unconsciously, that's the story we tell. But Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Is that not where we are in some respects today? Following Jesus is what it has always been, a matter of life and death. Eternal, glorious, new life along with the necessary daily death. Fortunately, our God is a God of resurrection. The crowd was following for the same reason some are following today. Jesus was giving away stuff. <laughs> he was healing folks. He was a great storyteller. And he was calling out the pious religious folks. Hashtag Jesus. Yes, we love him. But Jesus turns to the multitude and says, make sure you know who you are following and what it will cost. What God is calling us to do and be, we can't do and be without going all in. John 15, Jesus says, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. I am the vine. He's, let me clarify the roles. I am the vine and you are the branches. Some of us are struggling today because darkness is wrecking havoc. And the people of God are either cowering in fear or in denial or sometimes being drawn in to go along with it. We are trying to undo and dismantle centuries of injustice, generations of racism and bias, years of decline and drought in human strength and ability. That does not work. Know what you're getting into and what it will take. Without the vine, the branch withers and dies and becomes unfruitful, becomes kindling in the hands of men, Jesus says, and is cast into the fire and burned. But our hope is in the but. But 
if you abide in me and my word abide in you, within you there will be a well of living water springing up into life. Your prayer life will change. It will no longer be just a laundry list of, Lord, help me, Lord, do this for me, Lord, can you give me? It will become, Lord, I'm praying for, for what was happening in my world. Lord, I'm praying for what's going on in my community. Lord, you're, um, save that person. Save this. Lord, change me. Lord, change the way I am, the way I see, the way I think. Your desires, my desires will adjust from what I want to what he wants for me. And then that's why I can say, he can say, then you can ask what you will and it will be done. Last year I got um, diagnosed with degenerative disc disease in my back that causes um, chronic pain. And for a long time I started praying, Lord, you know, you're not a respective person. You are Jehovah Rapha. You can heal me, Lord. I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Despite whatever the, the, the uh, diagnosis is, I pray for healing. Lord, would you heal me? 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 And then I hear the Lord say, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. And the prayer changed. Lord, would you fill me? Lord, would you fill me? Lord, all the places that are weak, all the places that are breaking down, Lord, I ask that you fill me and you be my strength in my weakness. The prayer changes. We become focused on God's desires for others and God's desire for his community and God's desire for his kingdom, then we can ask what we will and it will be done. Why? Because it glorifies God. It is the Father's will that we bear fruit. That is what identifies us as his disciples. The world is starving for the fruit that is produced within the disciples of God. We are called to produce love and peace and joy and long-suffering and patience and gentleness and meekness and faith and self-control. And Lord, isn't that what is needed right now in our world? To produce fruit in times of pestilence and drought, the branch must abide in the vine. Love God with everything we have and take up a cross. Then and now, many different roads, many different people. There are many different people to follow. God knows this is not for everyone. He said to another crowd, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. <laughs> that crowd then doubt pretty quickly too. <laughs> and Jesus didn't chase after him. Instead, he turned to his disciples and said, you going to? And they said, where will we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. To, to follow him, we need to consume all that he is and allow him to permeate all that we are. 
all that we think and speak and feel and act. In him we live and move and have our being. To be his disciple, we have to be willing to bear our cross and to go after him. This is not a passive faith. It is an active faith. We have to choose truth over lies, righteousness over iniquity, even when it is no longer popular. Kingdom over empire, light over darkness, justice over injustice. In verse 33 said, whoever cannot or will not give up all that you have cannot be my disciple. Disciples, for those who are already all in, went all in a long time ago, the world feels dark right now in a lot of ways. But here's the thing, you can't darken a room. You can't make dark more dark. <laughs> Darkness, by definition, is the absence of light. It is only created by dimming or removing light. The world is darker because the light is removed or become ineffective. We got a lamp, we got a bulb, no power. God is just asking that we show up. Light doesn't have to flash and, and bounce and change colors and sparkle, <laughs> just shine. Speak up, do good, and darkness is scattered. Jesus said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He says, salt is good, in verse 34. But if salt has lost its savor, if it has become tasteless, it is not fit or useful for anything. Jesus is speaking to the multitude today. He is speaking to the multitude today. And he is thinning the crowd. The world is dark because light has become dim or absent. We don't cower in the darkness. We are light. We were created for it. Shine. Show up in your classroom, in your office, in your community, in your family, filled with the spirit and abiding in the power of the living God. He that has ears to hear, he says, let him hear. Father God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you settle it, that you confirm it, that you give us the grace, Lord, to put it into action in our lives. Convict, convert, convince by your spirit. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.